Hello, church. Welcome to the Gallery Church Online. We are so glad that you chose to be with us here today. Psalms 86, let me start with that as we begin this online gathering. Psalms 86 says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God. With my whole heart, I will glorify your name forever. And that verse summarizes our desire to glorify God in services like this, but in our lives as well. We believe that Jesus is life, that he's the light that shines deep into the darkness of this world, the things that are pressing on us, the things that are discouraging us, binding us up, entrapping us. Jesus brings life and abundant life into those circumstances. If you are new to our church, you're going to find that this online gathering is a little unusual. We're in the middle of a six-week series. For the next five weeks, it's going to feel a little bit different. We generally have a worship team that has prepared music that guides us into using our voices or where we can listen to their voices and glorify and praise God. But we have taken time to take a break from that and, and, and calm ourselves and be still a little bit more these first six weeks of the year. So these next five Sundays, uh, we're going to be focusing on being still in the teaching and the purpose of the church. And so hopefully this encourages you. This is very intentional on our part. We're wanting to simplify things so that we can focus more intently. One thing that will be new, and you'll see this at the very end, I'll be inviting you, but you'll you'll see that we're going to be inviting you to a post-online service experience on Zoom. This is the first time we've done this in our downtown church, and we're looking forward to that. So before we step into the rest of this gathering, would you join me in a time of generosity? Our Father in heaven is generous, and he wants his church to look like him, and we want to be that church. And this prayer helps center us and focus us on what it looks like to be generous like our Father in heaven. So would you pray this prayer along with me together right now? Father in heaven, there is nothing I have that you have not given me. All that I have and am belong to you, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. To spend everything on myself and to give without sacrifice is the way of the world that you cannot abide. But generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord, who love him with free hearts and serve him with renewed minds, who withstanding the delusions of riches that chokes the world, whose hearts are in your kingdom and not in the systems of the world. I am determined to increase in generosity until it can be said that there is no needy person among us. I am determined to be trustworthy with such a little thing as money that you may trust me with true riches. Above all, I am determined to be generous because you, Father, are generous. It is the, the delight of your daughters and sons to share your traits and to show what you are like to all of the world. Amen. I'd like to encourage you right now, before we even continue this gathering, to take some time to give, to be a part of that generosity. You can, the easiest way to give is through the app, through the giving tab in the app. But you can also give online at gcbdowntown.com forward slash giving. Take some time to do that right now. And then we look forward to focusing ourselves to glorifying God by how we meet as a church. Welcome to week two of our six-week series about the makings, meetings, and methods of the early church. We are exploring how the earliest Christians meet, and we're finding inspiration for how we move forward as the gallery church today. The early church did not try to think their way into a new kind of living. The early church believed people lived their way into a new kind of thinking. Alan Creter, the patient ferment of the early church. You are all brothers and sisters. Jesus. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn, or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. The Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty six. 
as a kid, I can remember moments with my mom in particular, sometimes my dad, but mainly with my mom where it was stop that. Don't do that. Stop doing what you're doing. And so there's a little bit of a tone of that that I'd like to bring in to my teaching today of literally me for you to feel like maybe for a moment I'm saying, stop that. Stop, stop what you're doing. Stop, stop, stop that activity right now. Because so often there's things that you're doing and there's things that I'm doing that we need to stop doing. In January, there's this shift in thinking many times. And it's part of the reason why we overlap this series at this time of year, because a lot of us in January in the new year, especially coming out of 2020 into this new year, we're thinking about things that we want to do. I, I need to do this. I'm, this is going to be different for me in this new year. And we do that almost every January, but it feels like it might be a little bit more intense is we're making decisions that are only based on what is good for me. What do I need in 2021? How does this help me? What do, can I be involved in that's going to be good for me? And we carry that type of thinking into our church lives. And that's what I'm speaking to when I say we need to stop that. I need to stop that. You need to stop that. Because so often, even in our church life, we are saying, how am I going to make decisions that are good for me? Hello, Gallery Church family. I am looking forward into this week too and, and speaking on the meetings of the church. And But there's two obvious mistakes in this thinking of what is good for me. The first and obvious mistake is that it's so egocentric. It is so self-thinking, so selfish. And none of us really, really mean that. Even though we are doing those things, we would never want to say about ourselves, I'm egocentric or I'm only... And there's a lot of times we're serving others and we think that we're not being egocentric, but we are being egocentric, but we don't see it in ourselves. And the second mistake of the thinking that we need to stop is to see the church as something out there or something other, something else where it's an organization and it's not something that I'm a part of. So often it's like, well, how is the church going to serve me? How is the church organized for me? Where do I fit into the church? It's like the church is this organization or this thing that is over there and I'm not a part of it. And, and the point of this teaching is, is I want us to do a better job of being the church and recognizing what the church is and where our thinking might be off. Because so many times I hear from other believers, people that are a part of the gallery church, brothers and sisters that will say things to me like, I wonder if the church will be with me here, or I wonder if the church will support my efforts there. When it's like, my, you're my brother and I'm your brother and Wherever you are, I am, and we're the church, but somehow the practice of life in church, we always think that the church is something else, that we're not really a part of it, even though. And so how do we think like Jesus? How is How do we reshape our mindset to realize that the church is us? It's not buildings. It's not an organization. It's not religion. It's us. And then reshape our thinking to how can I contribute to the church, which is us? How can I bless in the church, which is us? What are the opportunities, even during this winter season, for me to be the church? When, when we do this, I want to remind us today that we actually do get something out of it. It's, it's, it's when you and I recognize that we have a tendency to say, well, how is this going to help me grow? And how is the church going to help me grow? Or how is the church going to teach me things? And we begin to shift our thinking to how can we focus on others that we begin to see that you're growing. We grow the most in our faith after we believe in Jesus by stepping into seasons of giving the most. 
I've seen that in some of you when we've been able to travel internationally on mission trips together or when we've served in a neighborhood on a project together. It's like even in those short hours or in those short days or that week that we've spent together, we grow so exponentially, so much more than we are because we're there to serve others. And then we realize that we're beginning to grow more. Uh, the church is us, but it's also the pillar and the foundation of truth. First Timothy 3.15, we read it last week, and we start with this again today. You will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church, Paul saying to Timothy. The church, not just a church, but it's the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. So what God is saying through Paul to Timothy and helping us to understand even what Jesus was saying is that this, the church, is where he wants the truth to reside and then to be passed on from this generation to the next generation. That is the purpose of the church. The church is the place where the world can see the teachings of Jesus lived out in demonstrative ways where they don't have to try to figure it out or to read to understand it. They can see it. They can touch it. They can see the teachings of Jesus brought to life. The scriptures are so important. The Bible is so important to help us stay on track. But the church holds the truth out to the world in an invitational way that allows them to see what Jesus meant and to see the purpose in the life, the sacrifice and the love of God displayed in Jesus Christ. The church holds that out to the world. The church in the West, even before the pandemic, seem to be declining, especially in major, in many pockets in the, in North America, well, a lot of places in the Western hemisphere, the church was declining. But the more I research, I'm finding that a lot of organizations have been on the decline from children's activities, children's clubs, after school activities for children, parent teacher associations in schools on the decline, neighborhood associations on the decline, community involvement activities on the decline, rec centers on the decline, whether it's a child activity or an adult activity, so much of the community life in the Western world has been on the decline for years. And then you throw in a pandemic and you begin to see even more of a decline. And part of what's happening is that people are busy. People are increasingly becoming busy. And many times they're making their lives even more busy. And, and so what people are doing is, is they're basically cocooning, like putting a cocoon around themselves or maybe a few other people and protecting themselves inside of a structure that is keeping them safe and allowing them to explore their self-interests in a way that is ignoring the community around them. Because when you interact with other people, it's so easy to be pulled into their pain or even into their joys. And it can be a dis become a distraction for what goals we've set for ourselves and not the goals that we've set for us. We need to be a people who push back against the culture of our day. We talked about that a little bit in Acts 2 where Peter's announcement was, is that we live in a corrupt generation. And that's the same thing I'm saying to us as a gallery church family. We live in a corrupt generation. And if we are people that believe in Jesus Christ, we are saying that we are a part of his kingdom. That means his kingdom lives by a different set of rules. There's different things that govern our choices and things that we do with our lives. And I believe the Apostle Paul is going to be very helpful for us over these next couple of weeks. Jesus started a movement, began to lead the first disciples, the first apprentices that then gathered 120 people in a room and the Holy Spirit came on them. And we began to see what Jesus started. But Paul begins to help the early church apply it all, making sense of their Jewish past, their history and how Non-Jews are now included. This Gentile life is now included and they're one and they're to call each other brothers and sisters. 
Paul is helping them apply all of that. And we can see how Paul is saying to the early church, this is countercultural. This goes against the flow of society around us, but it is what the church is supposed to be. And one of the best examples in the Bible of a church that's focus was on itself, that was struggling with being egocentric was the church in Corinth. Two letters were written by Paul to this church that we have in our Bible. First Corinthians and second Corinthians. Here, Paul is helping them to see that they were too focused on themselves and were attempting and he was trying to help them to recalibrate or to refocus themselves and their thinking to be more in the mind, in the mindset of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he's basically saying to them by the end of First Corinthians, this is how you are the church. This is the different attitude that helps you to be the church. So we're going to be focusing today on 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So go ahead and open your Bible, turn, turn your Bible app on, go to the notes section. There's a link to 1 Corinthians 14 in the app for you. But, and so mark that, stay there. But I need to go back and verbally review while you are finding 1 Corinthians 14. So let me go back, Gallery Church family. This isn't just for the downtown church. This is for downtown Patterson, Comunidad. I'm speaking to the church. This is us, brothers and sisters. We are looking at replanting our church from the smallest groupings of ourselves, two, three, four people, to the groups of 25, to our larger gatherings this year. And so we're going to make sure that each of us that's willing is in an identified hub, these groups, smallest groups of people where there's encouragement being given. There's accountability being shared. There's prayer that is being spoken over you and you're speaking over others. And we're learning to live our life in faith in Jesus in that small expression. And then we have these growth communities, no matter which church you're a part of, that these groupings of people that are usually 10 to 25 people where we can grow in spiritual friendship, where we can learn to encourage, edify and build each other up. We can do that in these growth communities. And right now the government is limiting us to 10 or less outdoors or 10 or less in our homes with people that we are already being socially distanced with. So we're not able to do much out like in person, but some of us can do some in person and some of our growth communities are able to do some things in ways that are safe. And we want to encourage that, but we need to keep that online community and learn better ways that we can continue to help each other through this winter season, even planning some fun events. Then, and then we have our neighborhood churches where there's groups of people and a pastor where people are connected to a pastor and a shepherd, where they, where people can be, leaders can be built up in the church family, where we can continue to provide guidance to our growth communities, where we can continue to encourage one another in the specific challenges of where we live, where we're learning, where we're lurk, working and playing in a geographic area. And that's why we have our neighborhood churches groups of people that can seek the Lord together for the, for the display of God's greatness in their community with the help of their local pastor. And so we're not gathering in our larger events in person during this winter season. We haven't been gathering in large group events during this pandemic, and we feel like this is wise, and we feel like it is loving. Now, I know that some of us still do not like this decision. And some people have made choices to attend other churches during this pandemic and may or may not choose to come back because they did not like this decision. But even though it's hard to be criticized or to know you're letting people down, we feel like the decision that we've made during this pandemic is wise and we feel like it is loving to you to me, to our community around us, and we want to be accused of being loving. So back to Acts chapter two. This is Pentecost. This is the birth of the church, and we get to read about it. They were all together. They were in an upper room. And I shared this picture with you last week of these houses in the first century, these Roman insulas. It's like 
work in apartments, these street vendor, like um, walk up businesses and places where people can engage and then homes up above and courtyards and baptisms. And people were living in these sometimes family units, sometimes multiple family units, but they were places. And so they had these upper rooms and the early church started in a place like this. And and generally, there were wealthy people that donated space for the church to gather in in ways that people were sharing their goods with one another. And you can read more about that from Acts chapter 2 through Acts chapter 8. But there were 120 people in Acts 1 that, that found themselves in the moment where the Holy Spirit came. And when the Holy Spirit came, immediately they all got gifts. Right away they got gifts. And those gifts were others centered. Immediately the Holy Spirit comes and gives them gifts, gives them gifts that they are immediately to have ready to give to others. What is interesting to me is that some of the people saw this as miraculous. Some people were like, wow, I'm hearing this in my own language and I'm cut to the heart and I'm believing in Jesus and I'm immediately wanting to, to learn more, be baptized. Some people were like immediately responsive to this gift being shared. And other people saw this gift that came to them and was being expressed as being something so odd or so unusual that they were accusing them of being drunk at nine o'clock in the morning. So I want us to, to understand that there is no way that we are ever going to speak or express ourselves in Jesus Christ where everybody is going to have the same response. The early church didn't receive that, nor should we expect it. We should not be discouraged by that. But in Acts chapter 2 and verse 16, Peter begins to address this and he starts in Acts 16 by saying, I'm going to go back to the prophet Joel. And then in verse 17, let me start reading there and we'll begin to see why he chose Joel. In, in verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. The emphasis on prophecy in Joel is what Peter leaned into, which is God. what is prophecy? Simply, it is God. It is speaking God's will in God's words. That's the simplest definition, speaking God's will in God's words. And what Peter is saying here is that we're all prophets. Everyone, everyone is a prophet. Everybody gets the spirit. We talked about this last week in verse 38. The promise is for everyone. Let me remind you of what Peter said. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and all who are far off. So what Peter is saying to them is you all get the same thing. You, the Spirit is giving you gifts that are going to make you prophesy, make you a prophet. You will use your words to channel the Holy Spirit of the living God that was with Jesus Christ. That is what is offered to all of you that are watching this teaching. All of you, my brothers and sisters, no matter which church you're a part of, what your primary language is, you are to prophesy. So why am I focusing on this part of Acts chapter 2? Because I believe this sets us up to emphasize the point that Paul is making to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This egocentric, selfish church that was now going to turn to be an others-centered church needed to understand what I'm hoping that I can make clear to us from Acts 2 to 1 Corinthians 14. So let's go to, Act, let's go to 1 Corinthians 14 together now. So 1 Corinthians 14 is in a special, what I will call, section of the letter to the Corinthian church, the 1 Corinthian letter. Uh, chapters 11, 12, 13, and 14, the way that they're divided up, are actually one thought that Paul is making to the Corinthians 
And it's almost like a, a unit worth of teaching, so to speak. They're one thought about a bunch of the ways that their church is struggling in showing that they're egocentric. He's showing them how they're always looking for people like themselves. He's showing them how they're only picking the intimate friends and the families around them that are like them, that look like them, act like them, that like the same things that they like. And he's showing them over the series of these, chap these chapters that they are people that are choosing similar styles of music or similar politics. They're looking for people that validate their opinions. And they're only drawing people close to them that validate their opinions. They are only looking at strengthening the relationships with the people that are doing those things. They're not interested in strengthening relationships with people that are different from them or think differently from them. He's saying to them, even, even at the beginning of the letter, it's a subtle way of starting it all out. He's bumping up against people in Corinth that say, well, I follow Apollos. Well, I follow Peter and well, I follow Paul. And, and, he's, and, Peter, and Paul is calling them out by saying, look, you're causing division of the church. And could it not even happen in the gallery family of churches where some people are, well, I follow Ellis. Well, I follow Bill or I follow Aida or I follow Ginger or I follow this elder, or that elder, or this community or this community. Why is he speaking to me right now? You know, I don't follow him. I follow somebody else. And the temptation is that we ignore the truth for the church because of the fact that we are being centered on something other than what the intent for the church really was. Paul is wanting them to see it. He's wanting them to address it. And he's wanting them to push it back, to, to, to separate themselves from that. And that's my desire as we step into what the meetings of the church were like, is I want to push our church away from selfish thinking, egocentric thinking, um, sectional thinking where this section is different than this section, or I want us to push all that back. Like Paul was saying. So in this unit, starting with chapter 11, getting to building towards chapter 14, chapter 11 was like this manifest of what it was like when you come to church. They were, he was talking to them about the way they posture themselves to come. He was talking to them about the special table of remembrance, the joyful meal of Christ, the Eucharist, and how the temptation is to make it selfish and not about others. And then in chapter 12, this spiritual gifts aren't just for yourself because he was using the metaphor of the body and we're in the body where we're, we're one part of a multiple part body and one part isn't better than another. They all need themselves. He's talking to them about the gifts they've been given for the benefit of others. And then in chapter 13, this famous love chapter, the chapter that people even that don't believe in Jesus will want to use in their wedding. This isn't a wedding chapter. This is a church chapter. This is who the church is supposed to be and what the church is supposed to be about. And chapter 13, embedded in the middle of this discussion about the church, is this chapter on love and what love looks like and how it's focused on others and that it excels over all the other attributes and qualities of the church. He talks to them about love. And then chapter 14, coming out of that passionate encouragement to love and to excel in love is verse one of chapter 14. Read this along with me. Follow the way of love, which he just articulated, and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit. So he's saying, desire all the gifts of the spirit. He's not limiting any of them. Eagerly desire. That's an adjective that says, don't just desire, but really desire. Like, strive for it. Like, man, just want it. Desire. Like, you got to have the, the, the gifts of the Spirit. But then he does add one disclaimer, especially prophecy. Follow the way of love. Eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So now do you see why? I connected prophecy, Joel, Peter, 
teaching, Acts 2, early church, 1 Corinthians 14. All of the gifts that the Spirit gives are for other people, except for one. And so Paul has been addressing this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. There is a gift of a tongue, different from Acts 2, but an angelic, like a modified heavenly language for prayer and communing with God that Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about that they had been experiencing. It was for personal edification. There is a gift that is for your personal edification. It is an angelic language. And he's saying to this Corinthian church, you have landed on the one gift that is for you and you are only celebrating that one gift. And he's saying, I want to shift you to the gift of prophecy, like desire all of them, but I want to shift your strongest desire to prophecy because it is a gift to use our words to benefit others. It is a gift, Paul is saying to them, to use our words to speak of God's will and God's ways to other people. Let God speak through you to others is what Paul is saying to the church in Corinth. And that's my heart for us as the family of gallery churches here in Baltimore. Let us use our words to love and to speak love in the will in the ways of God to others. He's not disparaging tongues. He's not talking badly about them. There's a wonder to them that he wants them to participate in. But prophecy benefits everybody. Let me continue reading verse two. This is what Paul's words to them. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people. Listen to this. For their strengthening, for their encouraging, and for comfort. So the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather you have prophecy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Did you catch that? Prophecy is better than everything else unless somebody is there to take the tongue and, and translate it in a way that benefits the entire church. Because if you picked up on this, the purpose of us being the church is strengthening, encouraging, comforting, and edifying is what Paul is saying to this early church. It's not about me, me being strengthened, me being encouraged, me being comforted, me being edified. It's about us being strengthened, all of us being encouraged, all of us being comforted, all of us being edified. So how can we do this, Gallery Church family? This idea, I'm not serving me, it's, it's us, us growing and learning and being together. The question in January should be not about me, but how can I bless others? Father in heaven, even as we're getting ready for our prayer time coming up, in, that you're going to be continuing to get announcements about and information on, as we step into that, the prayer could be, God, how can I be a blessing to others? A few more verses from chapter 14 here in just a moment. But let me just say this. I'm going to finish out chapter 14. I'm going to give you some options to choose from. And then you're going to be able to step in through, through a Zoom link back into your community churches, a new discipline for the downtown church, a consistent discipline for the Patterson church, where we can engage on this and pray for one another, encourage one another, edify one another and put it immediately into practice. And if you're not a part of one of our local churches, I encourage you to still go to one of the links, choose Patterson, choose downtown, join into that community, allow yourself to be strengthened, encouraged, blessed, edified um, through that time together. All right. So verse 26 of chapter 14, here's Paul's summary of everything I've said. So if I was just to repeat everything from Acts 2 through 1 Corinthians 11, 12, 13, and 14. Here it is. Verse 26. What then shall I say, brothers and sisters? Can I just stop? 
I'm elongating this even longer. Sorry for that. But I want to point this out. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? Do you see that? Family. It's family. Brothers and sisters. It's not, well, do you pastor the downtown church? Do you pastor Patterson? Where do you go? Where's your home? What community do you live in? Oh, you live in that community. Oh, you live in that community. Oh, you speak that language. Oh, you look this way. No, Paul looked at them all, the diversity of the church in Corinth, and says, brothers and sisters, each and every one of you, brothers and sisters. There's no division. It's family. We're brothers and sisters. And when you come together, each of you has a hymn. You come prepared with a hymn. You have a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. But everything that you bring, Every time we get together, whether there's two or three of us gathered or hundreds of us gathered in a Zoom or an in-person, everything must be done so that the church may be built up. I don't come with the motive of me being built up. I come with the motive of us being built up. Here he's helping you and I know what he's saying. And I hope that you can see it clearly. Everything in the church is to be done to be built up. All of us are prophets. All of us prophesy. Some of you need to be encouraged that your voice about God's will and God's ways matter. We have a beautiful supplement in the Western church, in the Gallery Church family, where we can have large group gatherings. We've had some before the pandemic. We've even had some large online moments. And these are blessings. These are opportunities for us to be taught and to be encouraged. But it is a supplement to the church. It isn't the church. It's a supplement. The church is blessed in the West to have these large churches, these large gatherings where there's lots of people and they can sing at the loud voices and have great celebrations. But that is uncommon in the globe. The majority of the believers in Jesus Christ are gathering in many different places than these large group gatherings. They're a blessing. And I'm glad that we can participate in them at times, but it is not necessary. It is a supplement to what we're doing. The church is about us facing one another. I believe it was Larry Crabb that actually made the statement about the church happens when we turn our chairs to face one another. And I, I think that's a true statement because when we turn our face to, to one another, we prophesy, we strengthen, we encourage, we bring unity, we build up, we edify one another, and then we can learn to serve out of that. We know where and how to serve. So what's next for us? What do I want us to do as a church? Let me, let me kind of call this as like a little January starter list for you to pick from. Everybody needs to pick something off of this list. Find something on the list that could be a next step for you. There's not a one of us that can't find something. There's things that I'm even going to be picking from. And, and I'm a founder, lead, pastor of the Gallery Church family. And there's things that I need to continue to grow in so that I can be a better part of us. So, one, so this idea that we're the church, it's not, the church isn't something else. I'm it. The church is us. Here we go. Seven things. The first one, we all need to become more initiators in contact with your local church pastor and elders. Don't just sit back and wait for a moment online. Let's initiate with one another. Let's encourage one another. I think it's important. Let me just say this. And this is selfish. It's not even in my notes. I just feel like I need to share this with you. I two friends of mine that have been serving faithfully in, in New York City in these last Three weeks, two of them have had to resign their churches just from pastoral burnout due to the pandemic and the stresses and the pressures of urban ministry and the things that they're facing. Guys, let me tell you, the pastors, Medinas, the princes, the elders in our local churches, they're a part of the us. We all need encouraging, strengthening, equipping, and unifying, and, and all of the blessings that are coming along with the church. So initiate contact, ask your questions, spiritually lean in, but don't just use us as a way of sharing and asking for things, but let's look for ways that we can encourage and build each other up. The second thing, inquire about baptism. 
mean, that picture, that Roman insula and those baptism tanks, man, that was a symbol of them immersing themselves into a community where they were like, I want to, I want to believe, I believe in Jesus. So out of my belief in Jesus, I want to grow. I want to learn to give and I want to learn to go with this good news of Jesus Christ where I live, where I'm learning, where I'm working, where I'm playing, even in my socially distant bubble. Let's not wait till the pandemic is over. Some of you need to pick inquiring about baptism because that is going to breathe life into our church as we immerse you into us and we learn to be the church together. The next thing is establishing a new Sunday routine. I think the pandemic has gone on long enough in order for us to get ready for in-person gatherings or the opportunity to expand the expression of this great supplement, this great opportunity for encouragement. We need to actually take pause and think about the rhythms of our Sundays, if at all possible. I know some of you have rotating work schedules and Sunday's not always an off day for you, but you need to take a moment and say, this is my life. These are the people I'm quarantined with, my, 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 my hub, my growth community. Evaluate it all and say, this is my Sunday routine. This is how I'm gonna prepare myself to listen. This is how I'm gonna process what I've been taught. This is how I'm gonna walk this out and practice it. I wanna speak to you parents with children right now. My heart goes out to you. Those of you that are living by yourself, my heart goes out to you. You may need to actually take some time to say, you know what, I can't do Sunday mornings. I can't line up with everybody else because of the circumstances in my home or where I am on Sunday mornings. And you might need to say, I, I need to do it 6 p.m. or 8.30 p.m. every Sunday. And that's your new rhythm. That's your new routine. That's your discipline of saying, I'm a part of us. I'm going to set it. It's going to be dialed in. It's an appointment in my day. And just like as if the church doors were open and we had to come and gather, you set that time with intentionality because we need that discipline and we need to be able to focus. Some of you, even right now with your kids running around you, it's so hard to focus. Um, and that's okay. It's just the season of life you're in. Don't get, don't get disheartened. Don't be discouraged. Continue to find joy in it. Encourage each other in it but consider your Sunday routine, establish a new rhythm. Some of you might just need to get up and shower, put on some real clothes. That might be a great step, but something needs to be done about your Sunday routine. The next is sign up for a growth community. Even if you can't participate in one every week and you only can be a part every month, you need to um, sign up. It's important that we all get into these groups where we can continue to help one another. Even if you are international or you're not in Baltimore anymore and you haven't, you've had to relocate during the pandemic and you haven't found a local church where you are and you're still connected to us in some way, reach out to us. Let us get you into a growth community that meets the time zones that can make it work because we need that type of expression of the church if we're going to grow into the image of Jesus Christ. And then we need to attend a growth community. And I kind of blended these two together just a moment ago, and I want to differentiate this. Like we need the growth community, but we also need to attend. And even if it's just once a month, you can learn to receive and to give in that. You need to be known and you need to begin to know others. It allows us to know who's who is who and what's going on in their life so that you can be known and prayed over and cared for, but yet you can begin to experience what it's like to get to know others and give to them, serve them, love them, pray for them as well. So whether you can be a part of it every week online or if you're just once a month or once every two months, we need to communicate and you can um, sign up or let your neighborhood church know so that we can get you plugged in and you can attend. The next thing is contribute financially. Um, some of you right now are hurting financially because of the pandemic and you, you have no income or you've lost significant income. I just want you to know there's no, nothing in the Bible that I can say to you, just you need, you need to give a tenth right off the top. That's, there's some Old Testament stuff that, but when Jesus looked at the rich and the poor, he just said, what is your obedience to God? And right now we need to be an obedient church. There are some of us 
that have not missed the paycheck and we're getting stimulus money or we even gotten bonuses or businesses flourishing. And we need to be like the early church people that had homes and were excessively generous. Let's be excessively generous. Let's not just be rigid in our giving. Right now is the time to give more. And those of you that are in need, we need to continue to speak up. We're going to talk about this more next week. Please don't skip next week. We need to focus on the type of ministry that comes out of this, but we need to be a giving church. Would you consider to sit before the Lord this week and say, Lord, this is my financial situation. What is obedient for us, your church? Not just good for me, but what is obedient for us, your church? And then the seventh and final thing that we have to pick from on this list, because we're all picking something, is have fun. We have got to discover ways through this pandemic to have some fun in your hub, your growth community, in our churches. We need to have some fun. You need to have fun. Online games, watch a, a show together, talk about it, learn to laugh, do something fun that would allow you to experience the life of what it looks like to be us. Let me pray for us. Father, we want wisdom to know what to pick from this list. We also are grateful for the way that Paul connected Peter's words in Acts 2 to the needs of the Corinthian church. And Father, we want to distance ourselves from selfishness and we want to step into us, the unity in the church. We want, Lord, to be a part of prophecy and speaking the words and the, the words of God and the will of God to one another for the pur purpose of strengthening, encouraging, and building each other up. Father, help us to let go of the selfishness that motivates us, especially this time of year. Father, we want to develop good disciplines, but we want them to be disciplines that make your church beautiful. And that church is beautiful when we put into practice the teachings of Jesus and we live the life that's countercultural, that is all about your kingdom and your way. We want to learn that. And we know we can do that when we shift our focus on Jesus and our posture becomes us. I am the church. I'm in the church. I'm a part of the church. This is us. Father, help us to see that more clearly this week. And we, we're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful that we're in Jesus. And we want to bring glory and honor to him in how we live. Amen. We want to invite you to respond to the word of God that we just received. We know that he is speaking and working in our hearts. We want to focus on three responses. First, do you fall into the trap of selfish living or egocentric thinking? Let's pause together and listen to the Holy Spirit. What is he saying to you? Second, what do you have to offer us, the church? We all contribute to the church. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you about your contribution? Third, where have you seen the church living as a display of God's greatness? Let's take time to praise the Lord. Let's tell him how thankful we are and how blessed we are to be his sons and daughters. Let's respond to the Holy Spirit and acknowledge his work in us. Let me end our gathering with a couple of announcements and things I think are important. First, I want to say I'm looking forward to January the 19th. That's when we're going to start our church-wide 
time of prayer and fasting. So I want you to be on the lookout for some push notifications and some information in our social media platforms this next week. Because we want you to join our elders and our staff as we set aside some of our freedoms so that we can pursue the Holy Spirit and his work being completed in us. I mentioned the last couple of weeks that we're going to do something new um, after the gathering today. Ten minutes after the benediction is over, we're going to be on Zoom, have a room available for us to meet together. The link is in the description, both on YouTube and Facebook. You can also find the link in the app under the more section. So ten minutes after the benediction, let's get together. It's a great opportunity for us to meet some new people that are a part of our church, ask some questions, encourage one another, build each other up, edify one another. Looking forward to this in our first experience in this like Zoom lingering time together. So here's our benediction. As we go from here today, may we see clearly where selfishness, egocentric thinking has control over us. And may we replace our selfishness with a growing desire to strengthen, encourage, comfort, and edify others. May we stop seeing the church as something else but who we are. And may God's grace and peace be with you. Thank you, guys. Look forward to seeing you in 10 minutes on Zoom. Look in the description, YouTube, Facebook, in the app. See you in 10.